I didn't, I didn't say nothing yet, but I'll say that. Help us. Help us. We got, just so you know, we got two new um, responding lines from Pastor Sandy. Just so everybody knows. You know, last time he was here, Pastor Sandy. Okay, let me see if I can find Proverbs 4. Um, last time he was here, you everybody know who Pastor Sandy is? Tall drink of water, basketball playing brother. It's just smooth. Um, last time he was here, when I was preaching, he stood right here and he said, Speak. So there's one of them. And then he said, Say that. Or you better say that. But Sue, as always, he has a sensitive ear to hear Pastor Sandy amongst the crowd. So he said when I was preaching uh, one of the nights at camp on Saturday night, he said he heard Pastor Sandy say two different things. One time, Pastor Sandy stood up and said, help us. So there's a new one. So you can say that tonight, help us. And then one time he stood up and said, truth. So, you know, you can just stand up and say, lie. You're a liar. False doctrine. Doctrine of devil. Right there. So uh, those are two new lines that we can put in our, our uh, responding line. So help us in truth. Please don't say lie when I'm preaching. That wouldn't be legit. Now, where's Bishop? Where'd Bishop go? Where'd he at? Oh, he went to go have a prayer meeting by himself. Um, Bishop said, no joke, he said one time that his grandma said, <laughs> where's he at when I need to tell this story? Bishop said, because we were telling the story about us saying truth, or Pastor Shane saying truth, and we were saying, well, what if somebody said lie in the middle of the service or false doctor? And he said one time when we were back, remember when we were back in the fellowship hall when this building was being built? He said one time his grandma was back there, and she has some trouble hearing. And one time, Brother Sean said something, and she didn't realize that she was talking as loud as she was, and she said, that's not right. <laughs> really loud. And, of course, back there, it's like so close quarters that everybody heard it. But she said that during Brother Sean's message. That's not right. So uh, please don't say that either. So Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Hmm. <laughs> Proverbs 4, 23. Everybody there? It says, keep your heart. Nothing. Bishop, there you are, Bishop. We love you, Bishop. I just told the story about your grandma saying, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. I was saying things you shouldn't say when people are preaching. That's not right. False doctrine. So verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence. Mm, due diligence. For out of it, your spirit <laughs> springs the issues of life. But notice that keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Amen? All right, let's look over at Luke. Luke 8. My voice is kind of back. Maya's voice is back. Let's pray. God, praise God for Maya's voice being back. She sounded like a little mouse for a couple of days there. Hey, didn't the people that spoke on Tuesday night do an awesome job? Come on now. Hey, you boys were good, but come on now. Give it up. I mean, seriously, you guys were okay, but you were awesome. I mean, 
It was awesome. So, Luke 8. Um, Luke 8, and let's start in verse 5. Everybody there? It says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the wayside and was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Hmm. Verse 6. I like Bruce's response. He keeps saying, hmm, like he doesn't know if he believes what I'm saying or not, like with a question mark. Hmm. Um, I got a quick joke about that, too. Can I share that? Um, in Nashville, at Pastor Keith's church, there's this one lady. She always says amen, but she says amen with, like, a question mark behind it. Like, amen. It's not, like, a forceful amen, like I agree. It's like, amen. Like, but she always says it the same way. Like, I'm not for sure. I'm just going to give you this just because I feel sorry for you, Pastor Keith. I'll just, amen. So, some people can say it with a question mark, but that's what he was doing. So, verse 6, some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. In verse 7, some fell among the thorns, and when the thorns sprung up, it was choked. In verse 8, but others fell on the good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Make the devil give you back hundredfold. Look at your neighbor and say, shut up, devil. Yeah, that's right. And when he had said the things, he cried and said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Help us. Who's got ears and hear? We'll hear. Um, in verse, we're going to jump to verse 11. Everybody there? We're going to get going here in a second. We're just warming up here. Now the, <laughs> thank you. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So this is Jesus explaining what he just shared. The seed is the word of God. And verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who, when, when they hear, the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So no, let's, let's look over that. Now, the seed is the word of God. And notice that, and when they hear it, the devil comes immediately to take the word out of their hearts, lest they believe and be saved. Amen? All right, so the title of my message is, it's something I shared last year after camp, but it's a little bit different. So I really got three titles, so you can choose one. One is, now what? Question mark. The other one is, how to recover from a Holy Ghost hangover. And the third one is, camp detox. Or fourth one, the hangover. You could just say the hangover. And if any of you saw that in here, you are not right. I just saw the commercials. I just, you know, I just had to go watch it just to see what the youth of America are into. I didn't see it. So uh, the time of message, like I said, you can choose anyone you want. Now what? The hangover. How to, how to recover from a Holy Ghost hangover. Camp detox. Rehab. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so... Tonight, um, we're going to share three quick things, and everybody laughed on that one. Three quick things. D, what you say yeah for? All sooky sooky now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, the devil is a liar. What happened? Bishop, what'd you, what'd you say? 
That's it. That's it. That's it. See, you got some soul power on this side. Oh, sooky, sooky now. So tonight I want to share three quick things with you. I know most of you went to camp in here. Maybe not all of you went to camp. But three quick things on how to keep what you got at camp. Because uh, that is very important. And I know we're all recovering from camp right now. And we can't even imagine ourselves not being on fire for God. But I've seen it happen a million times over. And so, um, I will say that, my goodness. So, three really practical ways about how to keep what you got at camp. So, they're going to be super practical, super easy, on ways you can implement what you got at camp, and you just don't waste everything you just got the last week. Hello, somebody, because I've seen a lot of people waste it, then they go back to school, then they just forget about everything they learned, and all those impartations and all those things that got put into them, they lose it because they don't guard what God gave them at camp. I mean, no, you don't have to keep repeating the same dumb cycle from going from camp to camp and retreat to retreat. And in the meantime, you live like the devil. And in the meantime, you backslide and you act like a sinner, which you're not anymore. You're a saint. And no, you can just go from glory to glory. So next camp, you're already on that whole nother level that you can just keep stepping up from glory to glory, not... I'm up here, and then I slide back down. And then next year, I'm back up in the same spot. Then I slide back down. Then give me a retreat, and I slide back down. Then give me Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy, come pray for me. No, we should be going from glory to glory and from faith to faith, not keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. Hello, somebody. Speak. Say that. So, testify. That's it. So, after camp... I realize some of you are in that, that hangover period, your Holy Ghost hangover. Like, you can't even imagine yourself not loving God, not being all passionate, but it can happen because you're in that hangover stage right now. I know some of you have been sleeping like you had a hangover. How many raise your hands have you been doing a lot of sleeping since you got back from camp? How many hours did you put in that first night? Fifteen straight hours. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. Hey, you can do this either, too. This, this, you can do that too when I'm preaching. See, some of you are recovering not just spiritually but physically from the byproducts of pretty much being drunk in the spirit for that many days in a row and from going nonstop from competition to dance party. Maybe your ears are still recovering from the loud music. Um, you know, your, whole, your voice is recovering and uh, you're recovering from a Holy Ghost hangover. Now, I say if you're going to recover from a hangover, might as well be a Holy Ghost hangover. And so uh, as we're recovering right now from this hangover, this Holy Ghost hangover, a lot of you feel awesome right now, and as well you should be because you just came off the mountaintop experience being at camp. That's like a mountaintop experience where it's like you can, there's no way you can't get something at camp. Even if you don't want to get anything at camp, you go to get something because everybody else is expectancy. And the presence of God is just so strong, it's like you're going to get something whether you want it or not. And so a lot of you are in that stage that you need to know now what? All right, well, I just had camp, and it was awesome, and I just received so much. But guess what? A lot of you are going back to school very soon. Some of you people are already back at your jobs. Some, some of you people are already back to your routine of things. Now what? Are we going to act like camp didn't happen? 
Are we going to just forget about everything that was imparted to us? Because God didn't impart those things to you to stay dormant or stagnant in your life. He imparted those things to you so that you could do something with what you got. And he didn't give you all those things so you could stay the same way this next school year. He didn't give you all those things so you could stay the same way at your job. He didn't give you those things so our church would stay the same. He gave you those things for a reason. And all of you in here received a lot of camp, not just from the preaching, but the ministry time, the worship, the fellowship, the competitions, everything. And so number one, if you're taking notes, now what? Now what are you going to do? Number one, guard your heart. Let's look at Proverbs again. Proverbs 4. Number one, Proverbs four twenty-three. Guard your heart. All right, so now what? Practically, how do I keep what I got at camp? How do I do something with what I got at camp and don't waste it? Because I've seen so many people waste what they get at camp. Waste what they get at a conference. Waste what God does in their life at like a Dr. Dufresne or Pastor Nancy. I mean, I've seen so many people waste it. I know people that got touched at camp, got prophesied over, laughed for hours on end, cried, said they were called to the ministry, and they don't even go to church anymore. So what happened there? They didn't guard their heart. They didn't guard or put a value on what God put in them at camp, so they lost it. So number one, if you want to keep what you got, now what? Guard your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, everybody knows this verse. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Let's look over Luke again. Luke 8. Luke 8 and verse 11. It says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside are the ones who hear, but then the devil. Look at your neighbor say, the devil. He comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So notice this, the number one thing you need to do now that camp has happened is guard your heart. And I'm going to tell you why you need to guard your heart. First of all, because out of your heart springs your life. So people that don't guard their heart, just whatever happens, good or bad, they can't, they can't complain about it because you haven't been guarding your heart. Because you're letting all kinds of junk in your heart, so guess what junk could be coming out? But the people that guard their heart and only allow the good things to come out, guess what? Your life is going to be good. But if you don't guard it, whatever, whatever you're putting in is going to come out of you eventually, good or bad. But number one, you need to guard your heart because you've got to realize, camp, what just happened, the Word of God was just sown into your heart. And not just during the preaching time, during the ministry time, during the praise and worship. Some of you, God spoke things to you at camp. That was the Word of God speaking to you. Not just your Bible. Some of you, God spoke specific things to you at camp. Guess what? The devil's coming for that. That's why you need to guard it. And realize this, the word of God was sown into your heart. God spoke to you. Now what are you going to do with it? And the word says, when they hear the word, notice the devil comes immediately to take the word out of their hearts. He comes immediately to take the word out of their hearts. 
How many know if you're guarding your heart, he can't take it out of your heart? But if you're not, he can. That's why I'm giving you a heads up right this second. If you guard your heart, he can't take what you got at camp. But some of you have all your defenses down, and you don't realize the enemy's coming for that word because he realized if that word gets planted and if that word gets water, it's going to produce something in your life. That's what he's afraid of. That's why he's so upset. That's why he's coming after the word that you received at camp because he knows if it grows up, it's going to produce fruit in your life. That's why he's so scared of the word of God. So he's coming for it. And it's something we don't need to be scared of, but we don't need to be ignorant of. How many know we're not scared of the devil? The devil is not big, bad, and ugly, and whatever. But we don't need to be ignorant. The Word of God says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Don't be ignorant, because why? If we're ignorant, he can take advantage of us. But how many know if believers are not ignorant, the devil can't do anything with you? If you know his schemes, if you know his devices, if you know his plans, and the Word of God says one of his plans, when the Word of God is sown into your heart, the devil comes immediately to steal it. Why? Because he knows if the Word grows up into you, it's going to produce some fruit in your life. And the Word of God has the power to overcome him. That's why he doesn't want believers to have the Word of God in their heart. So we need to guard our heart because the enemy comes immediately to steal the Word. Some of you already... You know, we came home on Monday morning. Some of you already, you don't realize if you've gotten any persecution since you got back home, if you've had some family trouble since you got back home, if you've had some things going on already, don't be ignorant of that. What is going on there? The devil's trying to come get what you just got sown into your heart. Don't be saying, you know, well, I guess I didn't get anything at camp. No, the enemy is after what you got in your heart. That's why he's sending some attacks against you right now bottom line so if you got home and, and bad things were happening and, and different situations were going on trying to get you distracted from everything you got at camp there's a purpose behind that and it's the enemy trying to come steal what God put into your heart at camp well can I get an amen in the house of God and so realize you need to guard your heart let's look over at 1 Timothy 6 1 Timothy 6 Help us. You guys get anything so far? First Timothy six. And before we read that, I'm going to read another translation of that Proverbs four. It says, "Guard your heart, for out of it flows your life, or out of your heart sets the course of your life." That's how important what's in your heart or in your spirit is. Because out of it is going to flow life or it's going to flow death. It's your choice. It's not God's choice. And it's going to set the course of your life. So you realize if you're off course in your life, it's not God's fault. It's your fault because you haven't guarded your heart. He's trying to set the course of your life, but you need to let him be the only person that's in your heart. And the only one who's allowed to plan anything in your heart. The only one who's allowed to, to have any say what goes on in your heart and your spirit, man. Not all the voices just letting in to your garden. So guard your heart because it will set the course of your life. In 1 Timothy 6 and 20 and 21, 
Paul speaking to Timothy, his son of the faith, he said, Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Look at the apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, guard what was committed to your trust. God has committed a lot of things to you during camp. He has put a lot of things in you. There's been a lot of impartations. There's been a lot of things sown into you. Guard what was committed to you. Paul, a seasoned saint, talking to Timothy, a young a son in the faith, is saying, Timothy, you got a lot of things in you, but you need to guard what you got because you can lose it if you don't guard it. And God's not going to guard it for you. He will help you, but you got to make the decision to guard, guard it yourself. You got to realize what's in you is valuable, it's precious, it's treasure. The Word of God says it's like treasure. How many know if you don't place a value on something, you don't think it's precious, you won't guard it? I think out of anything in our lives, we need to decide what we get from God is valuable and it's precious. It's worth guarding above everything else. Above everything else. But if you don't count what you got at camp as valuable, as precious, as a treasure, which so many people take it lightly, like we can come and go, you know, we'll have another camp, we'll have another retreat, forget it, you know, I'll get it next year. No. It's value, it's, it's precious. And how many know, if you don't take care of what God gave you, He's not going to give you more. If you don't take care of, of the precious things that God... That's like the same thing with me if I was like, I gave somebody some jewelry and said, can you guard this for me? And they kept losing it, I wouldn't keep giving them precious things. That's the same thing with God. That's real talk tonight. That's the same thing. If he gives you something precious, if he gives you some treasure, if he gives you something valuable, you need to guard that because if you don't guard it, he's not going to keep giving you more that you can waste. Do you count what you got from God as valuable, as precious, as treasure, enough to guard and protect it above everything else? You should. Some of you guard your cell phone more than what you got at camp. Jesus, hallelujah. Hatisitable. All sucky sucky now. Hello, somebody. Some of you guard your cell phone more than you guard what you guard what you got at camp. Some of you guard your clothing items, some of your iPods, your iPads, some of you guard your boyfriends and girlfriends above Jesus. I didn't say that, did I? Sucky sucky now. But how many know, above all those things, we should guard what God gives us because it's so much more valuable and precious and, tr- and a treasure to be honored. How many know, what, what God gives us, not just, it not only helps us in this life, but in the life to come. A lot of those other things, it's like, okay, you know, at the end of time, it's not going to matter. Like, your iPod, your Blackberry, who really cares? Okay. I got my phone with me a lot, but it's not my savior. I need to guard what I get from God above everything else, whether it be clothing, jewelry, a relationship, a car, anything. I need to guard what God gives me because what God gives me, not just it's not just important in this life, but in eternity it's going to be important. And the message just says, Oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure given with all diligence. Oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure given. 
Notice he says, with all diligence. With all diligence pretty much means with everything you got. Like, don't just guard it half-heartedly. Don't just guard it with half of yourself and act flippant about it. No, with all diligence, that means stay with it. That means after, after I get back at school, don't forget what I learned. And don't just slip into the, the stream of everybody else floating downstream. This could help you, Bredo. But I got to be a salmon swimming upstream. Hello, somebody. I can't be floating around with all the rest of the dead fish floating downstream. I got to be swimming upstream. But how many know it's so easy? If you don't guard what you got, you're just going to be floating with the current of the world and what everybody else wants you to do. And you're just, just, just going to be dead and lifeless just like they are if you don't guard what you got. Amen? All right, number two. Luke 8 and verse 16. Well, you guys are blessing me tonight. Man, Cone turned 16. Let's give it up for Cone again. We didn't get to properly celebrate Cone at camp, but let him be honored. He recently got a Facebook also. And you know what I told him? I said, you can only get a Facebook if your face is in his book. Did you see that? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I got cheesy preacher's quotes for days. Get your face in his book. Because my bud's wiser. Isn't that it? That's it, isn't it? Come on. Oh, sooky sooky now. What's the other one, Bishop? Oh, my goodness. No, I meant the other one, all sooky sooky. <laughs> That's it. Every time I try to say that, I feel like I'm going to say something inappropriate. That's why I can't, I can't get it out. All right. I'll just say all sooky sooky. I'm good with that one. So Luke 8 and verse 16. Everybody there? All right, number two. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under his bed. Because this little light of mine, come on, hide it under a bushel? No. Mm, I'm going to let it. What is a bushel? Anyways, no one puts it under his bed because how many know a lamp under your bed is dangerous, is hazardous to your health? <laughs> let's light some matches and let's just throw it under the bed. But he sets it on a lampstand because he's smart. And those who enter and see the light, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has... To him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away. And we're going to unwrap that in a second here. But number two, on now what? The hangover. Real practical. Number two, okay, number one is guard it. Number two is use it. Say it. Use it. What this passage is saying is pretty much this. It says in Proverbs that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You're with me on this one, Bishop. The spirit of man, and it says it searches all the inner depths. <laughs> you know where I'm going. It's a weird scripture, I know. The first part's legit. It says, what the, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his belly. All his insides. <laughs> 
All right, you, the rest of you don't get that. All right, you guys are dry up in here. Anyways, the second part's weird because it says he searches the inward parts of his belly, and that's a little different. But he's talking about your spirit, your insides, because I came to get him on my insides. So <laughs> there goes Sister Mills. And so realize this, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So what just happened, I still call her Sister Mills. It doesn't, it doesn't sound as good, Sister Bach. Sister Mills sounds better. I realize she is Sister Bach, but. So, realize what happened. Your spirit man is the candle. Are you with me? That's what this passage is saying. Your spirit man is the candle. And when your spirit man comes in contact with the word of God, it gets lit. So at camp, the reason you're feeling like you're feeling right now, you feel like you're on fire, you feel like you could do anything, you feel like you're Smith Wigglesworth and can lay hands on the dead, and they will rise up right now, is because your spirit man just got lit up at camp. But how many know if you don't do something with that, that fire that just got lit, you will lose it? And that's why they say, when you get lit, don't put the, the, a candle under the bed, for goodness sakes. There's a reason you got lit, and it's not just for you. You don't light up a candle. You don't turn on a lamp and put it under your bed. Nobody can see. You put the lamp in the middle of the room. Why? So everybody can see in the room. There's a reason that God lit you up, and it's so you can be in the middle of the room or the middle of the world lit up where people can see God, where they can see the answers. They can see hope. But if you don't do something with that candle, you'll lose it. I mean, no... If you put the candle under the bed or put the lamp under the bed, it's going to go out. You've got to put it in the middle of the room. And what it says here is, Take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. What it's pretty much saying here, if you don't use what God gave you at camp, you'll lose it. If you don't use what God gave you at camp, not just at camp, but every day of your life, if you don't use what he gives you, he's not going to give you more. And I, I said that earlier, and I'm going to say it again. Why would he give you more that you cannot use? Why would he keep lighting your lamp or your spirit man if you're going to keep putting it under the bed where it's no good? There would be no reason to. And it says, it says in that passage there, if you use what he gives you, he will give you more. But if you don't use what he gives you, even what you seem to have will be taken away from you. Why? Because you're not being a good steward of what he gave you. So number two, we got to be intentional about using what we got at camp because if we don't use it, we'll lose it. You know, Pastor Debbie, she talked about that one of the services about what are you going to do after camp? It's easy to be on fire and just like passionate and like I'm going to win the world and I'm going to take over my campus at camp but then you come back what do you go do with it you got to use it or you got to lose it it's not God's decision it's your decision and that's why I said we got to get really practical about implementing God's word because if you don't really get practical about it and really make a decision I'm going to use what I got at camp it's not going to happen how many know you and me both have heard a million sermons before and not put any of it to practice? Can I get amen? 
I've heard more sermons than, than I, can, I can remember right now. And I've heard a ton of sermons and done nothing about it. Said amen. Got excited. Nothing. <laughs> Why? Because I wasn't intentional the next day about using what I got the night before. And thinking, because you said amen, it automatically happens. No, you got to do something with what you got. And if you don't use it, you'll lose it. It says you got to keep the Word of God. Realize this. Some of you are fooling yourselves thinking you're keeping the Word of God when you're not. Because the only word you keep is the word you do. Quiet in this Methodist church. Some of you, including myself, have heard the Word so much... And we can think because we hear it, that means we're doing it. No, that doesn't mean we're doing it. That just means we're hearing it. We could amen the sermon and think that means doing it. We could take a lap during the sermon and think, no, we're not really keeping the word. The only word you really keep when it says you keep the word is the word you do. The only word you keep is the word you do. So if you're not doing the word, you're really not keeping it. we got to be real honest with ourselves because that's really uh, most church people's problem is because they hear so much word and they're wondering why their life is the way it is is because they're not a doer of what they already know it's that simple I, I realize that's a shocking revelation it's like not that I don't know the answer I don't do what I've been taught I've had people say this you know I just don't I don't really get the significance of praying and spirit and it's because you never do it, dummy. It's like, I just don't, I don't really get what others get about praying in tongues. And, or, you know, I'm just really not interested in reading my Bible. I really don't. That's because you did it like one time for a day and a half. Okay. You're not getting anything out of it because you're not doing anything. It's that easy. So the only word you keep is the word you do. So realize you got to get real honest with yourself about coming back from camp you got you got all these sermons downloaded you got all these notebooks full of things you got your stand up sunglasses shirt you know your bracelet you're fired up but what are you going to do with it who cares if you took notes if you don't do any of it I'd rather somebody not take notes and do what I say than take a million notes and just leave the same it's that easy how many know we can get in the habit taking notes, taking notes, taking notes? Do we ever even look at them? Do I'd rather you just stare at me with a blank face and do what I say from the Word of God than take notes and act like you're doing something when you're not? Hello, somebody. So the only word you keep is the word you do. And notice, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And that's not because God's mean. God's not mean when He says that. It's because He realizes... He's a good steward, and he's not going to give you more of something you're not going to take care of. In the same way, I wouldn't give somebody more if they don't take care of what I already gave them. God is smarter than I am. He's not going to give you more if you don't do anything with what he gave you. There's no point. I'm going to give you more and more revelations so you can just sit on your back and do nothing about it. So you can fill up more notebooks and act like you're spiritual and you're actually not doing anything. No, he's only going to give you more when you use what you already got. All right. You got blessed on that. Last one. Number three. Let's look at Matthew 10. 
all three of these points kind of all flow together because there's some similar things in all of them. What you two cutting up for over there? What did he say? Come on now. Number three, uh, did I tell you to turn to Matthew? Man, this, I tell you, Brado, he, all summer he's been like a giggle box. He just giggles at everything. You're right. You got the joy of the Lord on you. Don't apologize for it. Take that to Christian Academy. Look at your neighbor and say, shut up, devil. <laughs> yeah, look at your neighbor and say, get behind me, Satan. All right, number three. So number one, guard it. Number two, use it. And number three, give it away. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to thank Lisa for this one because I had this written down and I was looking for a scripture and she put up this scripture earlier on Matthew 10. I was like, come on, Lisa. I always knew you were right. Bruce, well, Bruce confirmed it. So I had uh, I had scriptures for, for all the rest of them. And I was like, all right, I got one for guard it. I got some scriptures for you. Use it, but give it away. I really didn't have a scripture. I'm like, well, come on, Lisa. Matthew 10, that's the scripture I was looking for. So Matthew 10 and verse 8. It says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Notice that freely you have received at camp, freely give it away. So number three, after you guard it, after you use it yourself, number three, you don't need to keep it to yourself, you need to give it away. You got to realize this, a lot of you have been entrusted with a lot coming out of camp. And the Word of God says, too much is given, much is required. So God is going to require more out of you because you know more. A lot of you have a lot of things on the inside of you that God imparted to at camp and other things. And just being in our church in general, a lot of things have been imparted to you. So much has been given to you, so much has got to be required from God. you got to realize this. Freely you have received. Now, freely you need to give what you got. Realize this, God never blesses you just for you. God never blesses you just for you. God blesses you to be a blessing. Yeah, He loves you and He wants to bless you, but He never just blesses you just for you. He blesses you so you can be a blessing. So, I tell you, once you guard it, once you actually start using it, making it a part of your life, Really, the most important thing you can do is start giving it away. Is start blessing others with what you received. And before uh, I, sh I share another verse here, you got to realize something. How many know about the Dead Sea? You guys know where the Dead Sea is? The Dead Sea is dead because there's water flowing in, but there's not any water flowing out. Did Y'all didn't hear me, did you? The Dead Sea is dead because there's water flowing in, but there's nothing flowing out. Like a lot of church people. And that's why they're stagnant and dead, because word is flowing in, flowing in, flowing in, but they're not giving anything away. 
So they're dead. And so realize if you don't want to be a Dead Sea believer, a Dead Sea stagnant Christian, stuff can't just be flowing in. Stuff's got to be coming out. Why? Because God gives you things not just for you so you can give to others. God blesses you so you can bless others. He put things in you at camp not just for you, not just so you could just, just everything could be flowing in and nothing coming out. No, you'll be a Dead Sea. So many, so many people are wondering why their life is dead and stagnant and lifeless is because you keep receiving on this word and you're getting fat and you're getting filled up on the word of God but you're not giving anything out and that's why you're missing a part of the process. Once you receive it, you guard it, you use it yourself, but don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on to somebody else because it's not just for you. How many know a lot of you are going to get some opportunities very soon because you're all going back to school? You're all going back to work. You're all going back to your communities. Give it away. Freely you've received from God, freely give it away. Don't charge somebody for it. Don't say, oh, you know, if I like you, I'll give it away. But if I don't care for you, I'm not going to share this with you. No. Don't be a Dead Sea. Don't just keep things flowing in, flowing in, flowing in, and nothing flowing out. That's why a lot of people believers get old, grumpy, and stagnant and they're lifeless and they stay in church forever and you know what, they know more word than like some PhDs people they have like Bible college degrees but who cares if nothing's flowing out you're missing a part of the process and they're wondering why because things become dead when stuff is just flowing in and nothing flows out realize this, God touched you at camp so you could touch others you know what, God delivered some of you at camp so you could deliver others. You realize that? God healed some of you at camp so you could heal others. Not, it's not just for you. Yeah, God did it for you because he loves you, but he did it with a purpose that he healed you so you could help heal others. He delivered you so you could deliver others. He set you free so you could set others free. He blessed you so you could bless others. He put the word of God in you so you could give the word of God to somebody else. So you got to give it away. You know, your testimony the other night is for a purpose. God set her free so she could set others free. God delivered her so she could deliver others. And you don't realize by sharing that testimony, even though it might not have been the most comfortable thing to share that testimony and really say what was really going on, you helped a lot of people. And it's not over. God set her free for a reason so other people that have been having the same issues can be set free, can be delivered, can be healed, can be changed, can know that God loves them and God is for them. And their life doesn't have to be over when they're in middle school or high school or college. There's hope. There's a future. So God never delivers you just for you. He delivers you so you could deliver others. You've got to realize this. A lot of the, a lot of the, the really well-known healing revivalists and evangelists all had sickness and disease when they were little and God healed them supernaturally it's not a coincidence that it happened like that you look at people like you know Orr Roberts or Kenneth E. Hagen or other generals of the faith they all had physical issues when they were younger Dr. Lester Summerall why did that happen God healed them and notice what he healed them not just for them for them to be healers themselves a lot of people that I know have had significant deliverance like my dad and people like that. God didn't deliver him just for him. Notice he, he, he brought him out of a lot of stuff but so he could set others free that had the same issues he had. 
He could deliver other people that have the same issues he had. So God never touches you just for you. He touches you for others. He delivers you for others. He heals you for others. He blesses you for others. He's given you so much at camp, but it's not for you. It's for you to give to others. Notice, once you guard it, once you receive it, once you use it, give it away. I mean, you know, once you give it away, once you use what he give, gives you, he'll give you more. But if you don't, he's not. So we're like, saying, like, well, how can I keep this process going of me receiving more and more from God and not waiting to next year to come to receive? Start giving it away. Start using it. And if God sees that, he's going to keep giving you more. And there's no limit to how much he can give you if you keep giving what he's entrusted to you. Proverbs 11. Would you guys get anything tonight? Is this still light outside? <laughs> it is. How, how long is it light outside? some reason I had this like this hankering that's a weird word that's like food um, I had this thing about I feel like we need to play kickball tonight I don't know where that came from but if it's still light outside we all need to go play kickball at the end of this so I don't know where that came from but I felt that earlier today I'm like we need to play kickball I don't know why but if God says do it let's play kickball somebody will get set free Weege and Chalesi can't play. Last time, remember, you guys got injured. Weege, like, pulled, like, his arm out of socket or something. I don't know. Chalesi, what'd you do? Yeah, he tried to kick the ball, and he was just like... Just his knee just came apart right then. So Proverbs 11 and verse 24. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right and leads to poverty. Notice this. The generous soul will be made rich. What's he saying? The generous soul or the person that gives stuff away will be made rich. Not the stingy person. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Notice he who helps others will be helped himself. He who gives to others is going to be given to himself. So my last point is give it away. And you got to realize this. this. These are some of my last comments, then we'll play kickball. Realize the kingdom of God is completely different to the world. Because the world says, once you get something, once you have things, you keep them to yourself. Don't give them away, because if you give stuff away, you won't have as much. That's the way the world thinks. But the kingdom of God is completely different. The more you give away, the more that is coming back to you. You got to realize that that's a completely different point of view. The world says, "Give what you can, sit on the can, Chalesi. Sit on the can, Chalesi." And they think that by by me hoarding things to myself or or storing up things for myself, I'm going to have more than others. But notice it says, "When you withhold, it leads to poverty." Not just financially, but every way, spiritually, and everything else. If you withhold what God's given you, it will lead to poverty. But notice it says. But the generous soul will be made rich. Notice, if you start giving stuff away, you'll be made rich. 
Why? Because the kingdom of God is all about giving and the world system is all about taking. And God says, you want more revelation? You're going to have to give some revelation to somebody who doesn't have any. You want, you want some more finances in your life? Start being a giver. You'll have some. You want some more healing in your life? Start giving some. You want some more joy? Put, give some joy to somebody else that doesn't have any. Why? Because the generous soul will be made rich. And notice, he who waters will also himself be watered. Does anybody got a message? Say that. Remember last time y'all left me hanging. Do you have the verse looked up here? You're probably up in Zephaniah or something, aren't you? He looking up that scripture. Strip off your garments and... <laughs> strip off your garments and get your Bentley. <laughs> When I blow this show far, y'all gonna get free. All right. Y'all ready for this in the message as we close here? So number one, guard it. Number two, use it. Number three, give it away. Because you don't give it away, you'll end up dead and lifeless and stagnant like the Dead Sea. So realize this uh, in the message. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. But notice the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Not the one who holds everything to themselves, but the one who blesses others will be abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. But notice that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is himself abundantly blessed. The one who helps others is helped himself. Amen? Would you guys get anything tonight? Well, let us pray. So guard it, use it, give it away. It's three pra super practical steps on keeping and using what you got at camp. Notice the more you give, the more you're going to receive, and the more you can give. So let us pray, and we need to find a kickball and some bases. Y'all down for this? Some of you don't got the right shoes on, but it doesn't matter. We're going to play kickball. I heard that in my spirit. I woke up this morning. I was like, we need to play kickball. I don't know why, but when the spirit moves, we got to move with the spirit. <laughs> well, I said, if the, if the spirit don't move me, I move the spirit. That's what I said. <laughs> so, all right. What do you say? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Private conversation. You can discuss it on the kickball field. So, um, how about Justin and Weege? Since you're the two meanest people here, um, no, I'm joking. Justin, Justin's actually the nicest person, and Weege is the meanest. So, that's good that they're together and they love each other. But you two, can you two go try to find us some bases in a kickball around here somewhere?